And uh, today we are going to talk about the incorruptible seed. The incorruptible seed. You know, there are some seeds that if you use, uh, they're just not going to work. Not every seed accomplishes what it's supposed to. Some of them are good. They're corrupt seeds. They have things wrong with them. But today we're going to talk about the incorruptible seed. And so we're going to go to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 18. Start reading in verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 18. It says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by Him do believe in God that raised Him up from the dead and gave Him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. It says, being born again. If you're going to be, if you want to go to heaven, I think everybody wants to go to heaven. But understand that you must be born again. Jesus Christ Himself said that. Ye must be born again. A well-known preacher one time made the statement that not everybody, or that some people require a born-again experience in order to understand Christ. But there are some people that are just born saved. I'm here today to tell you that that is not in the Bible. That is not true one bit. Ye must be born again. If you're going to go to heaven, you must be born again. That's absolutely necessary. Well, what does that mean? Well, hopefully by the end of this message, you're going to understand that. But if you're going to go to heaven, you have to be born again of incorruptible seed. Well, how does that work? Being, What is that incorruptible seed? Well, first thing that we need to understand, let's, I want us to look at the corruptible seed. There is a corruptible seed. And one of those we see in Psalms chapter 14... In verse 1, Psalms 14 verse 1 says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. You know, there's a lot of fools out there today. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. God right there is talking about mankind. And by the way, you and I are all included in that group. We are all filthy. We are all wicked. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. The corruptible seed is really mankind. When man came into this world, when God created Adam, man was good. He was, he, God made the perfect man and the perfect woman. He put them in the perfect place. But then Satan got in there. And it was, the Bible doesn't say it was, it wasn't Satan that brought sin into the world. It was Satan that deceived man. And the Bible says by man, sin came into the world. And death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. It was Adam that brought sin into the world through sin. 
And we we have all inherited that sin nature. Every one of us in here today, we are all somehow related. If we could trace our ancestors back far enough, we would all find something in common. We're all connected that way. We've all got different things that we've inherited, different characteristics, facial features, hair color, lack of hair. I got some of that in my genes. And I got it from somebody in my family. And one thing that I got from my dad that he got from his dad that he got from his dad is that sin nature. I was born this way. I was born a sinner. You were born a sinner. And when man sinned, mankind fell. Man does not deserve heaven one bit. People, I tell you, it's not only an inaccurate statement that people make, but it's also a very foolish statement when people say, you know, why would a loving God send somebody to hell? Well, first of all, the loving God sent His Son to die for our sins. But second of all, do you not understand what we are? We're sinners. We don't deserve to be with the Holy God in a holy place called heaven. We don't deserve that one bit. I mean, it's amazing what man thinks of themselves. We look at ourselves like we're just this great evolved species. And let me tell you something. We're not. We're sinners. And we are not evolving. If anything, we are devolving. It's getting worse and worse in this world. We are corruptible seed. And this idea that man should just get to go to heaven because according to our standards, we are good. I'm here today to tell you that to think that you cannot know very much about our God that we have. His holiness is beyond our comprehension. In Romans chapter 3, in verse 9, I want to read a few of these verses from there. Romans chapter 3, it's that passage that we just read in Psalms is being quoted here in Romans chapter 3. But look what it says about man and about sin. It says, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. There were some people that thought because they were Jews, because of their ancestry, that they were better than other people. But Paul said, no, no, no. We are all under sin. We're all sinners. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all there together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher with their tongues. They have used deceit. The poison of ass is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. Think about in our history of man, how much peace is there, world peace has there been? Have we ever had world peace? Absolutely not. You know why? Because this world is run by mankind. And so we've, and we've messed it up. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. You know, you are never going to get saved. You are never, never going to get salvation if you don't ever admit that you are guilty of sin. Too many people, okay, fine, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners, but what's the big deal? Fine, I'll say a prayer. If that's what I gotta to do to get into heaven. No, you need to understand that you are guilty. And you need to understand that you do deserve to go to heaven. In our society today, in our court system today, people get in bigger trouble when they plead not guilty and then they're proven to be guilty. 
And part of that is involved when the judge sentenced them, he takes that into consideration. If that person has not admitted that they did wrong, if that person is acting like everything's fine, that upsets them. And they will give them a harsher punishment. But when somebody will admit what they've done, if they will confess what they've done, they'll usually get a lighter sentence. They'll be better off. But you need to understand that you are guilty. And I've talked to people before, and they'll come and they'll ask, well, I'm thinking about, I'm trying to find another church. And I was thinking about your church. But what, what does your church say about, and then they'll pick a certain sin. And do you think that that's wrong? And you know what I do? I tell them without apology, yes, that is wrong. That is a sin. Because they don't want to go to a church where they get judged by anything that they do. And I make sure I tell them, listen, we're not trying to judge you. If you come to our church and you get to know our people, you're going to find out we've got nothing but sinners in this church. But if, but at the same time, we're not going to judge, we're not going to tell anybody that sin is okay. If you've done something in the past, we're not going to hold that against you and not let you allow you into our church. But we're not going to call it something that it's not. We're not going to say that it's okay. And listen, the reason I'm I'm vocal about that and I'm just going to be upfront with people about those kind of things is because I know that there is no way that person can get saved if they're not willing to admit that they're guilty. If they're not willing to admit that they've sinned. God, Jesus isn't going to save them. You've got to confess your sins. Verse 20, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in His sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. I also make sure I tell them, listen, while we are against these things, we do not believe that you have to do all these things or not do certain things to go to heaven. We're not saved by our works. We're saved by the grace of God. And what we need to understand that the deeds of the law is not going to save you. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Mankind is corruptible. We have got to understand that all of us deserve to go to hell. There's a holy God and a holy place called heaven, and then there is sinful man. On this terrible place, on this sinful place called earth, it's been corrupted by sin. It's been cursed by sin. Mankind is corruptible. Also, good works are corruptible. Well, it's you know we understand we're all sinners, but as long as your good outweighs your bad, then you're going to make it. God's when we get up to heaven, God He's going to kind of tip the scales, and if they fall in your favor, then you'll make it in. Well, that's not in the Bible either. Romans 7, verse 14. I'll read a passage there. Romans 7, verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Now, this is the Apostle Paul talking here. The Apostle Paul, most people, if you ask them, hey, who is the greatest Christian that ever lived? Many people would say the Apostle Paul. And he's talking about himself here. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But I hate. That do I. Now this wording's a little confusing, but what Paul's basically saying in this passage here is the things that I want to do, I don't do them. I think if I ask everybody in here to raise your hands, like, who wants to be a good person? Well, I think everybody would raise your hand. Who wants to be a nice person? Who wants to be good to other people? Who wants to be loving and caring? Well, I think everybody would probably raise their hand. 
But how many of you are not always a nice person? How many of you get a little aggravated sometimes and do things that you don't want to do? Alright? Nobody wants to lose their temper, but we do, don't we? Nobody wants to think a bad thought, but we do sometimes, don't we? Even when we try to do good, that evil is constantly there. Verse 18, and there's a reason because Paul said, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, or for the good that I would, I do not. The things I intend to do, I'm not doing them. I mean, how many of us, we all intend to do good things? Every year on January 1st, we all intend to go on a diet and get in shape and lose all kinds of weight. But how many times do we do it? Not very often. We don't always do what we intend to do. Well, as long as your intentions are good. I'm sorry, good intentions aren't enough. I tried that with my wife. Hey, I thought about cleaning the house for you. doesn't matter. Until I actually do something, she's not really going to appreciate it. Hey, I thought about being nice. I thought about remembering our anniversary. I thought about remembering your birthday. That's going to get you in trouble real fast. But he goes on, Now I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find that a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. What Paul's trying to say here is, listen, he's like, I'm, I'm trying to do right. Paul wanted to be the best Christian that he possibly could be, but he, he still had that sin nature that he just couldn't get past. And he said, even when I'm doing good things, that evil is present with me. Even when I'm trying to do the best. And he's basically he's trying to say here that good works, it's not going to cut it. I mean, your works that you do, they might impress yourself. They might impress everybody in the church. But it's not going to impress God. Our righteousness is as a filthy rag. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, it's for by grace are ye saved. Grace, that's something you don't deserve. Saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. That's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Do you hear that? Not of works. You know what's crazy about that verse that says not of works and all the other verses in the Bible that say not of works? That most religions today and even a lot of the false religions that use the Bible, when it comes to going to heaven, it's usually somehow based on good works. I mean, sometimes even in a Baptist church, we still have that mindset that it's all about good works. I mean, you can talk about grace all day long, but people still will think, well, you know, hey, when did you trust Christ as your Savior? Well, you know, I've been going to church all my life, and my parents, they were good Christians, and they always told me, you know, you shouldn't, uh, you know, cuss and be mean to other people and be honest, and I've always tried to live by that. Well, can you please tell me when you're going to, when you were born again? Because all I heard about was good works, that if you were honest, evil was present with you during that whole time. Did you know, we are so rotten, and we are so corruptible as humans, that even when we on the outside are doing good things, many times we do it for the wrong reasons. For example, if I was to go and hand somebody a $50 bill, well, that's a good work. You know, that's nice. But you know what? If I do something like that, I might, there's a good chance I'm going to struggle with pride. Wow, that sure was nice of me. Well, I'm a really good person. I'm awful generous. Not too many other people would do something like that. 
You know what? I've just sinned, didn't I? I've committed the sin of pride. The very one that got Satan cast out of heaven. I've done that. And you know what? Well, I can't help it. You need to understand it's because you're a sinner. And listen, I'm not making excuses today. I'm not making excuses. I'm just trying to understand, get you to understand what corruptible seed is that the Bible's talking about. Also, religion is corruptible. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. The wheat, the parable of the wheat and the tares. The enemy comes in and he sows these tares and it's going to eventually, it's going to hurt the wheat. I don't know a whole lot about those kind of plants, but I've heard at first they kind of look a lot like wheat. And you know what? One of the biggest reasons that religion is corruptible, I wish I could tell you all, especially visitors that are here today, that you all have just walked into the perfect church. Liberty Baptist Church. We are, we're it. You don't need to look any further. I mean, we might as well tell the other churches in town to shut down because we are the church. We're Liberty Baptist Church. We're Baptist. Baptists don't have any problems in their churches. We have no faults. We are the perfect religion. I wish I could, I wish I could tell you all that and be telling the truth. But you know what? Unfortunately, while I love our church, while I think our church is great, while I love being Baptist and the Baptist doctrine, unfortunately, because everybody that's in the church, remember, it's not the building, it's the people. And did you know that every one of you in here, I hope you all realize this, all the stuff I've been talking about with mankind, you all are included in that. We've got a bunch of sinners that are here. And we're all sinners. And therefore, there's going to be some problems. We're going to have, we're going to make some mistakes. We're going to have some issues that we got to deal with. And if you think for one second that you are on your way to heaven because you attend Liberty Baptist Church, boy, you're going to really be disappointed on Judgment Day. Because this church cannot get you into heaven. We can tell you how to go to heaven. We can tell you what the Bible says. We can do that. And that's what we try to do around here. But membership here, baptism here, is not going to get you into heaven. The only way to heaven is through the incorruptible seed. We've all we've been talking about is corruptible seed. Now we need to talk about the incorruptible seed. What is the incorruptible seed? Well, it says in 1 Peter 1.23... It says, being born again not of corruptible seed. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, amazing verse we see in Genesis 3, God, He curses the serpent. And He makes a prophecy there. He said, the seed of a woman shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Throughout the Bible, any time it's talking about descendants, it's always the seed of a man. Contrary to popular belief today, for reproduction to take place, there has to be a man and a woman. The seed of a man. It's necessary, but the Bible says the seed of a woman. Well, what's that talking about? It's talking about a woman named Mary. The mother of Jesus Christ, who was a virgin. Jesus, He was a little different than the rest of us. He didn't inherit that sin nature like you and I did. The Bible says He was conceived of the Holy Spirit and in 1 Peter 1.23, it says, being born again, not incorruptible, but incorruptible, the Word of God. So we're saved. We're saved. This is the Word of God, right? We're saved by this book. Well, yes, this is God's written Word. 
But the Word of God is more than just a book. It's more than just black letters on white pages. The Word of God, we see a little more about it in the book of John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." The same was in the beginning with God. It's talking about a person here, but it's calling Him the Word. Why would you call somebody a Word? Why would you call a, a book, a, you know, a, a person, a book? How does that make sense? But we see in verse 14, "...and the Word," with a capital W, "...was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word of God that it was talking about there was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Okay, now we all know that name, and that name gets thrown around quite a bit in our society, sometimes in a very blasphemous way. People will throw that name around. Religions throw that name around. They include Him in some of their doctrines and things that they teach. But let me tell you, you need to understand what this means exactly. That name of Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You need to understand when we talk about Jesus Christ, we're not talking about some long-haired hippie that you see in the pictures and in the movies and things. Jesus Christ, who was He? Well, we see exactly who He was in the Word of God. In the Gospel according to Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. We see Jesus Christ throughout the Old Testament even though His name is never mentioned. Jesus Christ while He was on earth. The Bible says that He fulfilled the law. This Old Testament that we see in here, all those laws, the sacrifices, the things that we read about, they all represent Jesus Christ. I wish we could go into some of these, some of the sacrifices and things. It's just amazing how clearly you can see Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. I had the privilege of going to Israel in the year 2000. And we got to go visit the Temple Mount Institute where they are preparing to someday build another Jewish temple where they will start sacrificing lambs and things again and goats. They plan on doing all that. And I remember the lady that she was there and giving us the tour. She was explaining one of the sacrifices. And as she's describing the sacrifice as the way the Jews believe, as the way they did it, just like in the Bible, she's explaining this to a bunch of Christians. And as she's explaining it to us, the people, they're getting excited. There's a bunch of preachers in there and they're all shouting and saying amen. I mean, you'd swear she was up there preaching a sermon. And they're just getting excited. And I mean, people are crying while she's talking about the sacrifice of the Lamb. She's probably thinking, boy, these people really care a lot about sheep. But you know what? It wasn't that we cared about sheep. I don't care about sheep. They, I like to eat them. This thing tastes good. Let me tell you, it wasn't that. It was because when she's explaining this Old Testament sacrifice and giving us these visual illustrations and things, we saw Jesus Christ in it. That was, we think that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. She talked about the scapegoat offering and how they would take that scapegoat and they would take him outside of the city. The Bible says that they took Jesus outside of the city and they took him to the mountain. Calvary where they crucified Him. And they said they'd take that goat outside the city. And that priest would go and he would get on top of that goat. And he said that priest, would it was like he would become 
that goat. Like He would become that sin. And we're thinking, man, the Bible says that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. I mean, Jesus is all over the Old Testament. It's amazing in the book of Isaiah. I mean, we see Jesus throughout there. I don't, I don't understand how Jewish people do not recognize it just from reading the Old Testament that man, Jesus was the Messiah. It's, he's all over. This book is what Jesus Christ was all about. He fulfilled every one of those laws. He did everything that it said that he did in this Bible. He did every one of those miracles. This book is all about Jesus Christ. It's all, it's all about Jesus Christ and how it's about man and how they fell and how they sinned. And it's about how God still loved us and how He made a way for us to be saved through His Son Jesus Christ. The Word of God is Jesus Christ. He fulfilled the law. Jesus Christ represents everything that the Bible is all about. He's all over the Old Testament. Jesus Christ, while He was on this earth, He could not be corrupted by sin. In Matthew chapter 4, we're not going to take time to read the whole thing, but read Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Jesus went into a wilderness to be tempted of the devil. I don't know exactly why everything was done in this way, but Jesus was baptized, and then immediately he goes all by himself into the wilderness. This was Satan's chance to get Jesus to sin. If he could get Jesus to sin one time, mankind would be doomed. There would be no hope. He's got, he'd gotten every other man and woman that ever lived to sin. And here comes Jesus Christ. And after 40 days of not eating a bite to eat, He tempts Jesus into turning a stone into bread. And by the way, Jesus could have done that. But you don't ever see Jesus do one miracle for Himself. He did it for other people all the time, but never once did He do a miracle for Himself. Jesus Christ, you know what He did? He quoted the Old Testament. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's how we live. That's how we find life. Through the Word of God. And then Satan, he goes and he takes him up into a high mountain. He shows him all these kingdoms of the earth. And he says, all these kingdoms will I give you if you bow down and worship Me. Jesus quoted Bible again. It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve. Satan, once again, he tries to tempt him and he takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. I've been to that spot and there's a long drop off there and he tells him, jump. And then Satan, he's thinking, alright, I know how to handle Jesus. I'll quote the Bible to him. Satan quotes a verse from Psalms where it says, His angels will pick thee up if thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus quoted another verse back at Satan. Sometimes people will misuse Scripture. Satan's good at that. And he said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. These people that say Jesus Christ wasn't God, they haven't read very much of the New Testament. Jesus Christ was God. And after that, Satan departed from Him. And angels came and ministered on Him. He could not get Jesus to sin. He couldn't do it. So Satan, he leaves Him alone for a while. But Satan's thinking, you know what? I can't, I can't get Him to sin. But I can kill Him. I can definitely, I can kill him. And we see later that Jesus was delivered into the hands of sinful men. And Jesus was, suffered a horrible, cruel death on the cross. And you know, I don't know, this is just kind of my own personal opinion, but that beating that Jesus took with the cat of nine tails, I mean, the, the physical beating he took before he even got to the cross, 
I would think would kill pretty much anybody. But the truth is, the Bible says that death is a result of sin. Jesus still has not sinned, but yet He's hanging there alive on the cross. But there came a point during that crucifixion, the Bible says, where there was darkness over the face of the earth for about three hours, I believe. And the Bible says that during that time, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. When Jesus was on that cross, He literally became our sin. When you look at when we see that cross, it's a it's a reminder to us of our sin. Jesus took our sin on that cross. He became our sin, and I personally believe that it was our sin that actually killed him. It was our sin. Satan, it looks like he succeeded. Jesus Christ, he's dead. He's in the grave for three days. Satan's thinking, I've got the victory, but unfortunately for Satan, Jesus Christ was innocent. He was like those innocent lambs that they sacrificed in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ, He'd never committed a single sin. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ on that third day, He conquered death. He conquered sin on the cross. And He conquered death in the grave. And He resurrected on His own power. Resurrected. Walked out of that tomb. And 40 days later ascended to heaven. And He's still there today. And someday He's coming back for us. He is still alive today. We don't serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Savior. Jesus could not be corrupted by sin. He could not be held by death. And because of that, because of Him and what He's done, if we will accept Jesus Christ, if we will be born again of the incorruptible seed, we can go to heaven. We've all been born of the corruptible seed. I can tell by everybody here just by looking at you. You're all corruptible. We're all getting older. We're all eventually going to die. It's going to happen because of that corruptible seed. But when we're born again, that's a spiritual birth that takes place. There's something different about that that spiritual birth that takes place. When that happens, you can never die. Now your body will still die. But your soul will go on to be in heaven. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And someday there's going to be a resurrection of the body that's going to take place in the last day. But we see here that we have hope and it's through that incorruptible seed through Jesus Christ. Okay, so how do I get born of that incorruptible seed? Well, really, it's pretty simple. The Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? He's everything that this Bible says He is. Everybody, believe in what this book says. That just seems too simple. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's too simple. Listen, it's, it's, what God, it's what God said. This Word of God, you can trust it just like if Jesus Himself said it to you. Just like if God Almighty Himself came and said, hey, this is what you do. He put it in this book to us so we would know how we can be saved. And what we're doing is we're claiming that gift of salvation through the incorruptible seed. Many people, they look at people like us who talk about how we know we're saved and we know we're on our way to heaven. 
And they don't understand it. They'll call us arrogant. They'll call us all kinds of things. But listen, they don't understand. When we say that we're saved, and when we say that we know that we are saved, it's because we are not depending on the corruptible things. We're not depending on ourselves. We're not depending on our works. We're not depending on religion like most people do. We are depending on Jesus Christ. And based on what we just read, the little bit that we just read about Jesus Christ today, I think it's safe to say that that's a good one to depend on. That's a good one to count on. I'm going to heaven today because of what Jesus did. Jesus died and paid for my sins. He paid my penalty already. He paid for it. Jesus Christ, He rose again from the dead. I believe that. I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. People say, I believe all that other stuff about Jesus, but that virgin birth part, I don't believe that. Well, you know what? Then you can't be saved. Because if Jesus Christ was not born of a virgin, then He was just like you and I, just one more sinner. Jesus Christ was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And if you believe those things about Him, and you call on Him for salvation... I'm not saying that all of a sudden you're going to have this glow that just comes about you. And you're just going to have this vision and you're going to see some amazing things or you're going to get slain in the Spirit or start speaking in tongues or anything like that. I'm not talking about that at all. What's happening is you have now put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, in the Word of God. This book says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Do you believe it in your heart? If you believe it, all you have to do, now just confess with your mouth. Call on Him for salvation, and your soul will be saved based on the Word of God. You know what? There's not one person in here that... There's not one person who calls themselves a Christian if Jesus Christ was to show up in the church service and say, this is what you need to do to be saved. And I look at him and say, that's a lie. You think, what a dirtbag. I mean, you call yourself a preacher, but yet every day, people right over the Bible say, well, I know the Bible says this, but that's not what it means. I say, what a dirtbag. You call yourself a preacher? It's the Word incorruptible seed. The Word of God. That's how we're saved. Let's all stand together. Their heads bowed and eyes closed.